Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The New Testament lesson for today is from Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. This can be found on page 1082 of your pew Bible. Sometime after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, Peter and John encountered a crippled man at the temple gate, begging for money. In the authority of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter gives this man something far greater than alms, the ability to get up and walk. A reading from Acts chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Thanks be to God. Many years ago, on a Sunday morning like this one, I was part of a praise team leading worship. And as I was singing, I felt like Something was missing. We were singing these beautiful lyrics about God and how his presence and power can change the world. And I felt like I wasn't seeing that in my own life. Things felt dry and mundane. I was showing up for church. I was doing all the motions, but I wasn't intimately connecting with Jesus. I felt like I had hit a spiritual plateau. Have you ever been in a season like that? Where your faith felt kind of dry? Maybe you're in one right now. Like me, you show up, you pray, you read your Bible, you do everything you know to do, but it still feels like something is missing. When I was in that dry place years ago, I discovered that that missing something was actually someone. Over the last two weeks of our Lenten studies on the Apostles' Creed, 
We covered the creative nature of God the Father and the redemptive nature of Jesus Christ the Son, which lays the very foundation of our Christian faith. And this morning, we're going to focus on the empowering nature of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. When we say as Christians, I believe in the Holy Spirit, it's vital for us to recognize the important role the Holy Spirit plays in our faith. Most Christians I come across don't have a problem relating to God as creator or to Jesus as savior. But for some reason, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there can be some confusion. The Holy Spirit, who is that? He sounds mysterious and unpredictable hard to figure out. It certainly was that way for me in my early years as a Christian. The church that I was part of didn't even mention the Holy Spirit. And on the rare occasion when he was mentioned, the Spirit was referred to more as an it or a force rather than a person. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He is the distinct third person of the Trinity who has thoughts and feelings and can feel emotions like grief. The Holy Spirit is fully God, and he is one with the Father and with the Son. He was with them at the very beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 1 when the earth was formless and void. It says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He was there from the very start, bringing order out of chaos and breathing life into the earth and all its inhabitants. He was there throughout the Old Testament as he came upon certain individuals, giving them extraordinary power, wisdom, and abilities to accomplish God's mission. Later on, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she supernaturally conceived Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, who would save the world from sin. The Holy Spirit was there at Jesus' baptism. As the heavens open, it says that the Spirit of God descended on Jesus like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Here we see all three persons of the Trinity together at the scene. In John chapter 14, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the comforter, counselor, advocate, or helper. He is the one who guides people into truth about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. There is so much I can say about the Holy Spirit and all the different things he does in the life of a Christian, like giving us new life or uniting us with other believers, helping us live according to God's word and sanctifying us to become more like Jesus. But today, we're going to focus on the empowering role of the Holy Spirit depicted in today's scripture. It's what we've named as our church's vision statement. Does anyone know what our church's vision is? If you know, then say it with me. To know Christ and to make him known. It is through the person of the Holy Spirit that we come to know Christ. 
and that it is through his power we make him known to the world. So with that in mind, let's read this story together in Acts chapter 3. If you're near one of the few Bibles, go ahead and turn to page 1082, or you can just follow along the screen. Now, what I want to mention about this text is that the Holy Spirit is not specifically mentioned in the story. He's actually mentioned in the chapter prior to the story in Acts chapter 2, which we will get to later. And although the Holy Spirit's not mentioned in this story, we're going to see his fingerprints everywhere and realize that it is the Holy Spirit who helps us know Christ and empowers us to make him known to others. So let's go to Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Okay, let's just stop right there for a moment. I want you to imagine Peter and John going up to the temple to pray. This wasn't anything out of the ordinary. The disciples went up to the temple to pray all the time, as it was their custom. Chances are, this wasn't their first time encountering the lame man, since scripture says that he was at the temple gate daily begging for alms. Based on Levitical law, the disabled were not allowed to enter the temple. So the gate was the closest that the lame man could physically get to God. Everyone else could go in, but he could not. Being at the temple gate was a daily reminder that he was separated from his community and from God. I would imagine that made him feel lonely, like an outcast. Knowing this, his posture towards Peter and John in the story is not that surprising. He's, he's asking for alms, but he's not even looking at them. His body language suggests that he wasn't really expecting to get anything. Maybe he felt shame. Or maybe he was just used to people ignoring him and walking past him. It wasn't until Peter and John said, look at us, that he finally gave them his attention. So assuming that this wasn't the first time Peter and John saw the lame man, what was different this time? This is where we see signs of the Holy Spirit at work. Have you ever been in a situation where all of a sudden someone comes to your mind and you have this strong sense to reach out? And when you do, it's exactly what that person needed at the moment. I call those moments holy nudges. It's when the Holy Spirit brings someone to your attention and nudges you to act. That's what happened for Peter and John as they went to the temple to pray. They saw the familiar lame man at the gate, but on this day, they were led by the Holy Spirit to interact with him. Another interesting thing I want to point out from the text is the name of the gate where the lame man was laid. It was called Beautiful. To my surprise, 
When I studied this work in Greek Horaeus, it doesn't mean beautiful in a physical sense, like when you say someone is beautiful or attractive, but it means beautiful in terms of time. Like flowers blooming in springtime, this word beautiful means seasonable, timely, or the hour of fulfillment. So what we can draw from the story so far is that it is the Holy Spirit who initiates the mission of making Christ known by leading us to specific people at a specific given time. It was on this specific day, at the ninth hour of prayer, that God sent Peter and John to touch this lame man, and it would change his life forever. It was his hour of fulfillment. I love what Peter says to him next in verse 5. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter didn't have any money on his pocket, which is what the beggar was hoping to get. But what he did have was something far better. Jesus. Peter recognized that the only valuable thing he really had to offer the lame man was Jesus. Verse 7 says that he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. It was faith in the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ that healed him. Now imagine you're part of this crowd, and you're watching this miracle unfold before your eyes. The man you always knew as the lame beggar in front of the temple gate is now inside the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. This is a man who was lame from birth for over 40 years. Medically, it was impossible for him to stand, let alone walk. Surely, this was the work of God. Verse 10 says that the people gathered there were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. Guys, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up. The name of Jesus is proclaimed. The Holy Spirit confirms his word through signs and wonders. The sick are healed. And the oppressed are set free. People get saved and they are reconciled to God and to their community. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He reveals Jesus to us and confirms everything that Jesus said and did through signs and wonders and healings so that more and more people will come to know him. Jesus once said regarding the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit took what Jesus did, his sacrifice on the cross for our sins, and he declares it to the world. He is the one who reveals Jesus to us 
so that we don't just know him in our heads, but we truly know him in our hearts. He is the one who convicts us of sin and leads us to repentance. He is the one who heals us from the inside out. And he is the one who empowers us to make Christ known to others. We only need to step out in faith and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. I know that when we read a story like this in Acts chapter 3, it can be tempting for us as Christians to see Peter as the hero. If Peter were alive today, he'd probably have a mega church somewhere and have millions of followers on Facebook and Instagram. We would see post after post of all the amazing miracles that God was doing through him, and it might feel somewhat distant to us. We might say to ourselves, that can never be me. I'm just an ordinary person. But if you really think about it, so is Peter. There was nothing unique or special about Peter. He was an ordinary guy who was deeply flawed. Remembered on the night when Jesus was arrested, Peter disowned him three times to protect himself from danger. He was far from perfect. And yet here he was, boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus without fear of retribution, commanding the lame to walk. What was different about him? Just one chapter prior in Acts 2, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he instructed the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promised outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that they would be clothed with power from on high. Now, let me just take a moment here to clarify the difference between the Holy Spirit that indwells a believer and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is what Jesus is referring to here. When a person first gives their life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of them, and they become a new creation. He makes his home inside every believer. But what Jesus is talking about here in Acts 2 is not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes when a person is saved but he's referring to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that comes upon a Christian for the purpose of empowerment. That is what happened to Peter on Pentecost, which enabled him to move in miracles while boldly proclaiming the name of Christ. On the day of Pentecost, God fulfilled his word through the prophet Joel in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. And these words are still true for us today. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Pour out my spirit in those days. What would that look like? I imagine an abundant waterfall. Have any of you ever visited Niagara Falls? Just by a show of hands. Many of us in the room. It's quite majestic, isn't it? 
I remember when I visited a few years ago and I got on that boat made of the mist that takes you right up close and they give you this little poncho to wear so that you don't get wet. But once you're near that sheer thundering force of the roaring falls, there is absolutely no way you can stay dry. You will feel the wind and the mist blowing all over you. What would it look like if the Holy Spirit was poured out on us like a waterfall? Actually, the way our balcony and our sanctuary shape kind of reminds me of Niagara Falls. Imagine if the heavens were open and the Holy Spirit came pouring down, pouring over the edge of this balcony and flooded this sanctuary, surging us with life. Any signs of spiritual lethargy or dryness we once had would be gone in an instant. We'd go out of here soaking wet, leaving trails of puddles behind, making a splash for Jesus. How amazing would that be? Some of you may have heard the reports in the last month of such an outpouring that has taken place among young people. It first started at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, where a group of college students stayed after their chapel service was over and lingered in the presence of God, just praising God and worshiping him. But the praise and worship didn't stop. It kept going on and on for hours and days and weeks and eventually began to spread to other college campuses all across the country. There have been numerous testimonies of people receiving emotional and physical healing, getting right with God, repenting of their sins, and coming to Christ and be renewed in their faith as a result of these outpourings. What started out in the middle of Kentucky is now spread to other states and even in some countries. And I believe that what God is doing there, he wants to do here in the Northeast. And he is. Praise God. Just a few weeks ago, our youth at our youth retreat had that kind of outpouring where they were being touched by the presence of God. Just a few days ago, me, Katie, our worship director, and Craig, our student ministry leader, we visited UConn Stanford, and we saw the same Holy Spirit touching the students on campus. At one point, the Holy Spirit gave us a word that some of them were carrying some real heavy burdens, and we saw the Lord ministering deeply to them. It was so beautiful and precious to witness. Guys, UConn is a secular school. And here was the Holy Spirit in a classroom moving powerfully among these students. There is no place that he cannot reach. Guys, we are living in the days of Pentecost. Pentecost isn't just a historical event that happened 2,000 years ago. It's still happening today. God is still pouring out his spirit. And he is doing something really beautiful and precious and special among Gen Z at this point in time. And instead of being spectators, what would it look like if we joined them in seeking God for a fresh outpouring? How might it affect our families, our schools, our workplaces, and our nation? 
There is so much darkness, suffering, and pain that's out there. We need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit more than ever before. The world is desperate for an encounter of the love of Jesus. So this morning, at the end of the service, there will be a special opportunity for those of you who would like to respond to this invitation We'll have a prayer team about nine to 10 people here up front of the altar. For those of you who would like to get to know the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and receive a fresh outpouring from him, I would invite you to come up front to pray at the end of the service. Or if you're in need of healing, whether it's physical or emotional healing, I also encourage you to come up for prayer at the end of the service. We at Sandwich believe everything Jesus said and did is still true for today, which includes healing. We also will be hosting a healing service two weeks from now on March 31st. So if you or someone you know is in need of healing, we encourage you to come out that evening. So as the church, let's close by reciting this statement from the Apostles' Creed together. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in the Holy Spirit. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.